This morning, we have a special treat. We have Brother Philip, who is uh, in the United States. He comes around every so often. I think it was three years since we've seen you last here, but, uh, so it's been a while, but it's been uh, great to be partnering. We partner with him in his ministry. Um, I'm just going to give you a little background. If you've never met him, I know that he will be available also in between services, so you can grab a hold of him and ask him any questions that this may not answer, which you may have many, but uh, he's a wonderful brother in Christ and an amazing ministry that he is, uh, he is um, really founder of and has been doing for it since like 1984. So he has been at this for a while, and um, through Pat uh, Ritaco, we have partnered with him for about the last 20 or so. So um, it's, been a, it's been a good partnership, and uh, just wanted to introduce him as he comes to share the word. But Brother Philip uh, has been serving the Lord as a missionary in Sudan and northern Africa for about, uh, well, since 1984. He has ministered to uh, tens of thousands, literally, uh, over the course of that time, and sent out also thousands of Christian workers. So part of it is training and sending out not just his own ministry, but multiplying himself and, and seeing that ministry multiplied as well. Uh, he is no slacker when it comes to education as well. <laughs> he, he holds a degree in, um, in mechanical engineering, which is no small feat, but also a, a mis- uh, uh, master's of in international studies or intercultural studies, which is really about mis- missiology. He has a doctorate in missions as well in evangelism from Trinity uh, Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. Uh, it's in discipleship. And it's in the context of um, persecution. And so as a, a final for the series that we just went through about suffering and how that works into how God is using us in this world, uh, it was very appropriate that he would come and share uh, some of his, his own experiences. Um, in 1991, he started Streams of Living Water, which is the main uh, ministry that he has been heading since that time. He also, since that time, has started multiple medical clinics uh, orphanages, a Christian bookstore, a vocational training a boarding school, and uh, several other in, um, indigenously run leadership training programs. In 2008, he started the Tyrannus uh, Missionary School. Um, it, it makes you feel like we're just sitting around doing not much of anything, doesn't it? Right? I'm just reading this and feeling lazy. Um, but started the School of Missions, uh, in, first of its kind in Sudan. There are nine such schools today, and there will be 12 plus schools by the end of this year uh, throughout North Africa. Over 300 missionaries have been commissioned and sent out. In 2011, House of Hope Orphanage was started in South Sudan. It's a home for 48 girls. Some of you guys are actually sponsoring uh, those young ladies. Uh, in 2013, he started the Impact School of Training, uh, training Egyptians for Missions Work as well in, in Egypt, and there are 45 Egyptian missionaries throughout uh, 13 countries around the world at this point. Uh, Brother Philip also has his wife, Vicki, his two children, um, and over, uh, again, speaks in conferences and various uh, missions events and leadership uh, training seminars and such around the world. And so if you would, just uh, join with me in giving Brother Philip a kind welcome this morning. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Um, it is my real joy and honor to be with you this morning, friends. And uh, as we were, thank you for the long intro. I, I don't deserve 
that much honor that you give me. Thank you. Um, we, all, we, we all know that it is God's grace from A to Z. Uh, um, I don't take it lightly the, uh, the time that the nation here is going through. And I appreciate the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit as our brother was leading us. And you all noticed that he skipped the second song because it was irrelevant. And that speaks a lot to me, that, that we need to follow the Holy Spirit, not, not just the formula that we prepared beforehand. And I was silently praying, Lord, how are you going to lead us this morning? Because the last thing that we wanted to do is just to follow our own um, uh, formulas or whatever you know we prepared. But we wanted to be sensitive to the, 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 the needs of the day. It is not an easy thing to see those um, little children um, going to the Lord that early and, um, and also their families uh, that are still and will continue to be through a traumatic um, uh, time as they process. And, uh, but we trust that the prayers of the saints will make a difference. Would you say amen to that as we continue to pray for them? <clears throat> um, the, the passage that I have in, in front of us this morning, and I will be concise and hopefully precise as we share together, is uh, out of, the, um, of Acts 20, if you please, the pattern of the Apostle Paul when he gives us himself as a model, Acts 20, I think it starts starting from verse 17, uh, when he was uh, talking to the elders of the um, church in Ephesus, um, he gives us himself as a model of the man that God uses, the man that God may use and uses is, um, is probably, I would say, relevant as we think of eternity. One of the good sides of the suffering, particularly what happened last week, is that people start to stop their denial of, of the eternal God and the truth that there is eternity to face. And there is something huge after death, which the Bible speaks tons about it. So when, when we face the suffering and we are in front of the reality of death, this is a good side. The good side of this is that people who are agnostic and they don't want to. They want to. They don't want to talk about religion. I was uh, starting. I was uh, trying to chat with a young girl um, in a restaurant two days ago, and she said, "No, sir, I, I don't like to talk about religion. Leave me alone." 
So this is the age where we are facing now. But now, as we, as we face the reality of, of, uh, of, uh, of such a tragedy, people start to think seriously that there is an eternal God and we have to face him one day. Either before the judgment, the whites, the judgment white seat um, um, to, to be judged eternally and perish eternally, sadly to say, or for us Christians to also meet before the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, but this time to be rewarded. This time to be rewarded for every one of you who has faithfully even offered a cold cup water, he will be rewarded. Would you say amen to that? I know the early service is, is, uh, is, is quiet, but I'm scared of the quietness sometimes. So I need to make sure that we are all um, awake and, uh, and following this uh, strange Egyptian accent. <clears throat> so having said this, um, as we live um, in, in, in light of eternity, I will give you a quiz because you are smart people. Okay, here we are. We will live a short life, 70, 80, 90 years old, okay? But we are facing the reality of infinity and the infinite life because we follow an infinite God or infinite God. So anyways, here... I wanted to divide then the 80 years that we hope we hope to live, okay, by infinite. So the result is you divide a limited number by infinite. The result is zero. You have a reward after the service. <laughs> this is the right answer. There is no comparison between your, your and mine, uh, yours and mine's limited life and eternity. The result is zero. I would like to think about it as a dot. It's nothing comparatively with the eternity. But you know, friends, this zero, this dot, is connected to an infinite line, which is eternity. And all the decisions that we do here in this dot, in this short time, affect the whole eternity, particularly our position and our relationship and our decision regarding Christ, the Son of God. And particularly when it comes to his atonement, and particularly when it comes to the fact that he's coming back soon. Whatever we do here in this small life, in this short life, very short, vapor, it's a vapor, it's a flash, as the Bible classifies it. But with that in mind, 
However, the, you, whatever you do here as a Christian, how are you using your time and energy and resources? Affect. Not the destination, because you are saved by grace, and you, will, you are already destined to be with Christ eternally. But, but it may affect the kind and the quality of enjoying Christ eternally. As much as you labor here, as much as you um, enjoy the rest. Let me give you an example. Now, you have a long day, and you were so tired one day, okay? And you go to bed in the night. And when you go to bed, oh, you enjoy the rest, right? I suppose to just um, a normal day, you haven't really labored a lot, and you go to bed, and sometimes you are not really that tired, and you know, you go to sleep, but, but you don't really appreciate the rest unless you have labored more and more. Does that make sense to you? So this man would say, Paul, now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourself know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And I see here the first quality of the man that God uses. His life was open from the first day to the last day for the three years. Nothing was hidden. Nothing was hidden. Nothing was questionable, whether about money, whether about relationships. Nothing was mysterious or, or vague or ambiguous. His life was open. And he was consistent. Not much ups and downs. But he said, by the way, I want you to know that I have faced trials. I was in the fire many times. I faced fiery trials. Do you go through fiery trials sometimes? Do you go through hardships? Whether financial or relational or because of the name? The good news is, sir, dear friends, is that if you have a piece of metal, and sometimes they treat the metal in a way to be used for different purposes. So maybe it can be used um, for a horseshoe. 
This is probably $12. Or they treat the same piece of metal with maybe a harder way of treatment and it can be used as a surgical tool, which is probably a bit higher in price, maybe 500 bucks or so. But if you treat the same piece of metal under much pressure and higher degrees in, furnace, in a furnace or so, and hammer it and take much work on it, then you can use it probably as springs that carry the load of a large building in earthquake areas. Are you with me? But this is not 300 or 500 bucks. This is probably $20,000. So as much as you treat, as much as the, as the, as the metal is, uh, is under much pressure and much higher, uh, higher or uh, hot degrees, then the, the outcome is different. Let me, let me apply that to you and me. Some of us go through trials and another trial. And you would say, Lord, would you give me a break? <laughs> but he knows what he does. And he's equipping you and me for more profitable work and more and wonderful outcome. Probably will not understand it now. We will understand it later when we meet with him. Would you say amen? amen. That makes me you know, happy that you are following. <laughs> so this is what Paul is saying. My life is open. I am consistent, but this is not the only quality. The second quality, I want you to know that I have faced many trials. And it was more difficult because it was coming from his own fellow citizen, from the Jews that he was passionate to save them, and he labored a lot too. It's more difficult when it comes from home, by the way. With, when, the, when, the, when the trials are internal and domestic, it's more painful. I've been, you know, to the security, to the secret police in Egypt a few times, and in Sudan. You know, the last one I have in Egypt it was 2009. And when I entered into the office, the secret police office, the officer said, are you Mr. So-and-so? I said, yes, sir. And he opened my file. And I saw in my file a tract, a gospel tract, that I distributed 30 years ago when I was a student in the college. I distributed many, so, you know, to make it short, a piece or two pieces came to his hand. 
in another city in the south. Now I'm in Cairo, in the capital. So 30 years later, they are still keeping in my file the same gospel tract that I distributed 30 years ago, 1979. And he asked me, and he said, Sir, are you still active like before? So I smiled and said, yes, sir, I'm still active, but probably more wise. <laughs> so he smiled and said, okay, thank you for coming. But I tell you something, this visit, these visits are not pleasant visits. But I tell you what is more difficult is when that mistreatment or misunderstanding comes from within, comes internally, within the same family, or sometimes the same family of, of Christ. So Paul has faced this, that kind, again and again. They said, don't trust a leader who walks without a limp, a limp. So God allows us to go through trials to bring eternity more closer and to allow us to know Christ more closer. And this is the uttermost important, most important thing to know him. Now he moves to a third quality to say In verse 21, I was testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith usually go together, side by side. And this is the difference between us and Muslims. The Islamic faith speaks about repentance, but not faith. Our Christian theology is based on both. Repentance, repentance in Greek is changing your perspective. This is the literal meaning. Changing your perspective towards God He's a loving, merciful, but also he is a judge God. He's a just God. But also changing your perspective about your self. What I mean by that is that you and I are sinful people and we deserve eternal judgment. We are not innocent. <laughs> we have fallen. And we are suffer, we suffer from our own depravity. So we need to repent having in mind that I am sinful, but also I am dealing with a just God that will, I will face his judgment if I don't have the next step, which is faith. So I need both. And always faith has an object. Let me do an illustration here. I'm tired, 
and here's the chair, okay, and I sit on the chair, okay? Why did I choose this chair? I am probably, you know, close to 200 pounds, and I'm not sure if this chair will, will really carry me. But uh, probably during the service, I saw someone who's the same weight of mine, and he sat on the same chair. Okay, so if the chair carries him, then he will, it, it will carry me. Are you with me? That makes sense, yeah. Uh, so faith has an object. You put your faith in the person of Jesus, who carried the sins of many, who forgave the Samaritan woman, who received Zacchaeus, who received Saul, the persecutor, and forgave him, and turned him, and transformed him into a vessel to be used for his glory. Then, if I put my faith in, in, that, in that object, in the person of the Lord Jesus, I am pretty sure, according to the scripture, he will receive me, and he will forgive me, and he, and by his grace, will use me for his glory. So it's not only repentance. This is where Muslims stop and talk about the forgiving guy, the merciful guy. But I would ask my Muslim friend, I would say, where is the justice of God? You are taking half of that God. But the scripture tells us that we need repentance, but we also need faith. And faith always has an object. So this is the message that you and I would need to share. This is the third quality of the man that God uses. He understands and he is passionate to share that faith with others. Passionate to share that faith. Friends, don't keep your faith to yourself. Share, share your faith. Don't tell me I don't know how to do it. God will give you words. God will give you words. I had a Christian friend in Egypt. Once he boasted and said, you know, I have been in that job for five years and nobody knew that I'm Christian. And I said, you tell him, this is dumb. <laughs> I hope you shut up. You are there to testify to Christ. You are there to, to be a light in the darkness. Not only with your lifestyle, which is very important. Can you open with me John 17? I think verse 20. John, I would uh, ask uh, my brother bread to help me read this verse. This is John 17. I think it's verse 20. Let me see. Yes, verse 20. Uh, would you read this verse, Brad, if you please? This is Jesus' prayer. Please. Oh, verse 20. 
chapter 17, verse 20. Thank you. What does it say in verse 20? Thank you, brother. I'm not asking only for the disciples, the disciples who are hearing the, the prayer, intercessory prayer of, of Jesus as the high, chief high priest. He was praying that time to the Father. But Jesus said, I'm not only praying for this generation, for the disciples, but I'm praying for the next generations. that they will believe me because of their message. This is the translation. And I would, I, I like the, the King James, the Arabic King James that I have here because of their words, of their words. So Jesus was expecting us not only to follow a, a lifestyle that is godly, but very important that people will believe, he said, because of our huh, words. Let me, can I hear this, word, this from you? Because of our words. If you stay with your lifestyle that is, you know, a good quality, then people will point to you. But you need to speak up. Why? Because to explain that this lifestyle that is godly, I hope, behind that lifestyle there is a man called Jesus. There is a person, a divine one, who is the secret of, of that life transformation that I am experiencing. He's the secret of the love. He's the secret of the, 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 the ability to forgive. He's the secret of, of the ability of in, to endure the sufferings. Are you with me? So if you stay silent in your marketplace, then people will point to you. This is not, but this is... This is not the, this is not the, 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 the purpose of being alive there. You are alive there to point to the light of the world. You are alive there to speak up on behalf of Jesus and represent him and explain the gospel to people. Yesterday morning I was heading to the airport, um, you know, in the last uh, location where I was and um, got in the, um, what, whatever, the Uber or something and I, I asked the driver his name. His name is war, means worshiper in Arabic. He's an Indian Muslim. And I said, sir, did you hear of Jesus? He said, yes. And I had only 12 minutes to get to the airport. So I was able, by God's grace, to explain the gospel. And the guy said to me, nobody has explained to me the gospel this way. Did he come in um, some kind of interaction with Christians before? Maybe. I don't know. But this is the common thing that I am hearing again and again from Muslims. Is that they say nobody has explained to us. 
that does does that remind you of the of Acts 8 the Ethiopian guy who said to Philip the evangelist you know what how can I understand without somebody explaining to me so this is the fourth quality if you please is that we need to speak up Paul did not keep silent he spoke he spoke up repentance and faith I'm not sure how this clock works is it on African time or American time it seems that I have more four minutes I thought he will he will say no you have 40 but he said only four. Oh no <laughs> thank you pastor so let's uh, go back to close amazing the life of Paul in verse 24 he said according to NIV he said but I don't account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. The ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Tell you something, this is the most difficult verse for me, the most challenging verse in the whole New Testament. Can I repeat that? It says, I don't account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry. You know what? Why are we afraid to share the gospel? What is the root of that? On the surface, we are, we are scared. We are afraid. Afraid of, the, of people and their response or their reaction, right? We are afraid. What if she put me down? What if he rejected? Probably in the Muslim world. What if because of that I will suffer somehow? Okay? But I tell you, there is another, there is a root to the fear that is on the surface. The root is selfishness. Because I wanted to keep that Christ to me. <laughs> but I don't want to share him with others. It's I. It is I. If I am okay, then let them go to hell. And as, as Arab Christians in the church in, in the Middle East, I grew up hearing this. Let Muslims go to hell. Let them perish. We don't care. They deserve it. Uh-oh. 
They deserve it. What about you? What did you deserve? I deserve the same thing. So maybe we need to repent of our selfishness. And suffering will bring that home. <laughs> the atonement, the propitiation, let me put it this way, the suffering on, of Christ on the cross. Friends, I am closing here. The suffering of Christ on the cross was for the purpose of propitiation. The suffering of the body of Christ is for the purpose of propagation. What I mean by propagation is to take the gospel out. Let me close with this. If you think about the Muslims, their mind is like a funnel. And if you try to get the cross into the funnel, it will not go through. It's actually everybody. The cross is a, is a stumbling block. Now, how can the cross go down, goes down? How can people accept the reality of the suffering of the Son of God? I think if when they see us suffer and see our response to suffer, suffering, and particularly our response to persecution, then things will, try, will start to make sense. Recently, we have church planters in Nuba Mountains, south, north, south of Sudan, part of the south of Sudan, but it's totally Muslim area. The jihadists came two o'clock in the morning and burned and knocked down the whole thing. The ministry resources room, the kindergarten that the church planters put together, and their own sleeping room. And two, two in two, two a.m., the whole thing was 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 on fire. And they sent to me a click a, a, a video clip, and the, the church planters were standing outside. And I'm hearing them in Arabic in that video clip saying this, we will not leave the place. We will continue to serve here. This is simply because they have won, they have won to the Lord nine Muslims a month before that. So there is fruit, but there is also something called embracing the cross. You carry the cross. Okay, no propagation of the gospel. The gospel will never go out without price. <laughs> without people who are willing to, to deny themselves, to repent from their selfishness, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which kicks out the fear, okay, and then takes the gospel out to the needy. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, I repent in your presence and asking for a fresh wind and fresh um, presence of the Lord Jesus 
and him crucified and him risen so that you enable me and enable your saints here in this place to be bold and share the good news as we um, are instructed to do. Help us in Jesus' name.